Welcome to the Natural Capital Podcast, produced as part of the Farm Advisory Service in association with the Scottish Government. My name is Rachel Smiley and in this series we explore different natural capital assets and their value to Scottish agriculture and the rural economy, plus the pressures and threats they face. We speak to people, groups and experts, helping to manage, protect and restore these resources, ecosystems and habitats. Central to natural capital is people. Heritage, language and communities are all important considerations and can provide valuable lessons in traditional ways of doing things to develop successful natural capital projects and effective policy. In this episode of Natural Capital, we have Ross McKenzie, who is the editor of this podcast and a Gaelic learner. He gets in front of the microphone this time, alongside Jeanette Sutherland, where they visit Sam Thorburn's Croft on the Isle of Skye. They discuss the natural capital on the islands and the unique influence that Gaelic culture and language has on biodiversity and crofting life. We get a brief Gaelic lesson alongside understanding the importance of preserving this important heritage. Gaelic language provides a unique insight and understanding of Scotland's nature, helping us to understand it better. So I personally can't wait to find out more. So let's go and join Ross and Jeanette on this beautiful, wet and windy Isle of Skye. Hello, Ross. Chaitahor. Haniel Gudona Taplat. Kamarawahin. Hakama Hamiko Doyle. Hikastai Agustiano Hain Korstel. Well, today we're on a beautiful croft in Skye in Waterstein, and we're going to be speaking to one of the crofters from here. Sam, would you like to introduce yourself first in Gaelic and then maybe explain a wee bit what you were saying in English? Smisha Sornia Thorburn, Fake Gondal, Agus. I basically just saying hello, I'm Sam Thorburn and I'm from Glendale in Sky and I, I'm a crofter who works cows and sheep. That's about all I do. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. We're also here with my colleague Ross McKenzie. Ross, uh, would you like to introduce yourself and explain why you've decided to learn Gaelic? Hello, it's Misha Ross McKenzie. As you can tell by that, I'm very, very new to it. I have a Sky mother, Sky family, and I felt it was about time to start. And thankfully, up in the north end of Sky, Kilmuir, there's Gaelic lessons going on for beginners. It was a great chance to start, and boy, what a difficult language it is. You'll vouch for that, Sam. It's de- very difficult, Ross. I, as I was telling you, Earlier. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never do it. <laughs> no, no. It's, I admire you immensely for taking it on because it's, it's difficult. But if you persevere, it'll, it, it'll be well worth it. And as I said, Gaelic poetry, Gaelic song in particular, a Gaelic song is a great way of learning the language. Get into the, the local choir. Get yourself involved with that. And, and that's a great way in. When you take a drum or two at a party or at a dance, you'll be the singer and you'll be up there singing, singing songs. And you'll always be popular if you do that. The next podcast is Ross does Gaelic song. <laughs> With Sam. <laughs> yeah. We'll go on Sky Radio and we'll have a, we'll have a ball. <laughs> Ross, in your work, do a lot of your clients have Gaelic still? Some of my cousins up in the North End and Sam, I know, has got Gaelic. And I think sometimes people forget that I don't speak it and they kind of 
are going to go into Gaelic, and then, oh, it's him, he doesn't speak it. <laughs> People really want to speak it. They really want it. If you know, have it, you want to keep it going. That's what you want to do, isn't it? And I'm sure you'd love someone in the office speaking Gaelic. It's always good to have a Gaelic speaker. And, and as I said already, I admire you immensely for taking it on. Shame on some of the Gaelic speakers who don't speak to each other in Gaelic. And it's so easy to fall into the habit of speaking to each other in English because we're, we're influenced so much by English I mean, on television and everything else. So, and I'm sometimes my brother Angus is even more militant than I am. He demands that people speak to him in Gaelic. He and I were guilty in when we were younger, speaking to each other in, in English, which was unforgivable. But it was just a done thing. Our parents didn't push us, and they should have. They thought, they thought Gaelic wasn't important because they were full of it, and I didn't think... Uh, but I realised then how important it is, and I keep saying it to young folk. It's a, it is so important. It's, the, it's, the, it's your heritage. And it, there's so much in the, in, in the Gaelic language, in, in books and poetry and everything else and song and you know and history i mean history is it's steeped in history and so you know it's it's so important to keep gaelic going so important so good on you ross sam what tips would you have for ross as somebody who's trying to learn to speak gaelic to actually get gaelic native gaelic speakers to help him practice uh, he's got to he's got to make a nuisance of himself he's got to go and speak to the the people in the township and just have have conversations and just discuss things and they'll be patient with you I'm quite sure you've got to just keep you've got to immerse yourself and the rest will come naturally you know them there's only in Glendale this Ross this is this might make you feel bad but there's only one Donald Curley Marianne Big Murdo Murdoch that's the only three people I speak to in Gaelic uh, Kenny and I speak to each other in Gaelic sometimes, but invariably we're back into English. You've got to, you've got to try and get them to speak to you in Gaelic. And I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to get people to speak because there are weak ones, because their wives don't speak Gaelic, they they become rusty, and it, you get rusty very easily in, in the Gaelic language. And even when you meet people, you meet people who have brought, who were brought up in in in, in Sky and they go abroad for forty years and they come back, they haven't hardly got a word of English. A word of Gaelic. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they've got some English. And you, and you wonder, where, how do they lose it? But it's just that they, they, they haven't lost it, but it's just it's because they haven't been speaking it. It's like everything else, like an old car. If you don't run it, it, do, it doesn't work, you know? I find that it's such a tricky language. Where I live, there's no excuse. They will keep you right with Gaelic. But where's the threshold? What, are the, what about the young ones? What about the 20-year-olds? Are they speaking Gaelic to each other? Uh, they're not. You go to a sale. I was at the top sale on Monday. Honestly, they're, they're, they're not. They're, they're not. And, and why would they? Because it's so difficult. Because 60% of the people in the, in the, in the conversation won't have a word of, of Gaelic. So they'll, they'll obviously revert to English. It's an uphill struggle. Wow, it's an uphill struggle. But keep at it. I remember we went on a trip to Wales and it was very interesting because I don't speak Gaelic and the, there was a lot of people from Sky who were Gaelic speakers but whenever I would appear mm -hmm. they would start speaking in English mm -hmm. 
in Wales when we all went to dinner and there's Welsh people there, they certainly they were switching, yes. but they didn't they didn't yes. feel that they had to stop speaking no, in Welsh no, no, in mixed company. Right. Do you think it's different in uh, in the Highlands? Yeah, we're we're too respectful in the Highlands. <laughs> we really are. We uh, d- d- we'll go out of our way to speak in English, and and there'll be people with hardly. Uh, very little Gaelic, and they would do their best to, to speak English. Although somebody in the in the company who couldn't speak Gaelic, which is, which is being polite, I suppose. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your croft? Paint a picture of what your the crofts in Waterstein, where we are today, are like for the listeners. Waterstein is six crofts and uh, about eighteen acres, and and it's an outrun as well, and uh, the common grazing. And in the old days, there was there was six families here would. They'd all have a, I don't know, I think assuming it's about 30 sheep each and, and two or three cows. They weren't comfortable at, by any stretch of the imagination, but they, they managed to stay alive and they would have other jobs as well to keep them going. My father he worked down the lighthouse. He had a part-time job down the lighthouse. The lighthouse is at the end of, of, of the water stream. And other people had different jobs. Another person here, he, he worked in the Coast Guard, and uh, so there was always, there was always something to, to keep you, uh, give you extra income over and above the cows and the sheep. And they worked the land, they, they ploughed every spring. It's a funny thing, because although we think of ploughing in the crofting areas as being something that was really important for the, like, the production and making the fodder mm-hmm. it was also a lot of the wildlife benefited what from the uh, from yeah. the change so it's a funny thing but there's almost we, there's a lot that's been lost and if we could bring back some of those yeah. ways like yeah. the the corn creek and a lot of the wading birds and the wee birds like yellow hammers and that mm-hmm. they would all benefit from having the seeds and stuff it was always plowing down those potatoes and corn and things you know but but no one does that now you can go to charlie and harbro and get bags of it that didn't apply in those in the old days. They they were self-reliant, and they were hardy. Oh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what livestock you have on your crops? It's sheep. I've got chibiots and blackies, and I've got cows. I've got a mixture of cows, about fifty cows, and too far too many. I'm cutting down. I'm sixty-four. That's ten. I was cutting back, and two bulls, limousine bulls, and can't see past limousine. I think limousine bulls are the crofter's choice, in my opinion. I think everybody has to agree with that. What a good carcass you get from that. But, of course, Charlie are the best. But you've got to be brave to have Charlie's. In a winter's night, there's a cow calving. Uh, you know, you say to yourself, will I be calling the vet out and will he come? <laughs> no, of course he'd come. But it's just, I feel much more heartened knowing there's a limousine inside them as opposed to a Charlie. And they're, they're quick figure up on their feet quickly. And they're not as wild as people say they are. If you... If you if you're gentle with them, they they usually tend to be fairly laid back as well. And where do you sell your calves? Sell the calves in Portree, best best sale in Scotland. I think I don't think it can be matched. It's incredible, great great prices. I, I do I do sell some of the calves in, in Dingwall as well. I, I sold some in both places, but I prefer going to Portree. It's great being among your own, being among your your friends and, and uh, getting to meet people who you haven't seen for a while. And everyone's looking older, except yourself, <laughs> from the year before. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know the type of cow you have and the black face in particular. 
survive on this land and also genetic you'd advise also for the likes of what the cow can do for corn crake and all these wading birds as well yeah i think it's important that you farm for the type of land you have and that you make sure that the cows aren't maybe you know there's a a tendency for sometimes them to get overly big and then the you know the mm -hmm. peat soils can be That's quite right. fragile at some right. times of year sadly skies is famous for the rainfall and mm -hmm. it's accurate enough mm -hmm. <laughs> so the ground can be wet so it's important that that's picked mm -hmm. right i think maybe crofters themselves don't see how important the crofting activity they do is for sustaining the wildlife mm -hmm. uh, we're lucky we've still got corn creeks and in parts of sky and they're holding steady only because of the work of the crofters maintaining the hay and silage fields and the areas that they can hide in. Do you remember there being corn creeks in this part of sky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 there was there was definitely corn creeks over here, right? Remember a lassie coming over a few years ago? Oh, probably more, it's probably 20 years ago now. It was frightening her time for us, but, and she was over there for ages trying to listen to them, for, listen for a corn, and she didn't hear one. It's a shame, you know? And there were there were so many of them in the past, but but uh, well, if there's a, if you can get them back, good and well. That's People right. older than yourself remember being kept yes, up by right. them, and they yes. weren't so yes. super that's right. popular. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but there's we've got an abundance of every other kind of birds. I wonder, Jeanette, if you could say a few of the birds, and Sam could give us the Gaelic translation. Let's think of some birds that might be on the common grazings, the moorland. What about golden eagle? Mulera. Mulera. I-O-L-E-I-R-E. Mulera. One or two of them. And we've got the white-tailed ones. Mulera, Mulera Mara, I would imagine they're called in Gaelic. The white-tailed ones. Do you remember when you saw your first white-tailed eagle or sea uh, eagle? I think I do. I, I saw these two birds. They were standing on the land and I thought it was two people. And I thought, who are these guys standing there? And I got as close to them as as you want. And then they swooped away and I thought, wow, oh, they are majestic. They are. And what about some birds that you might see more on the in by, like the wading birds? How about snipe? Snipe, snipe, snipe is a snipe, nusk, nusk, N-A-U-S-G, nusk, nusk. And then you've got your bigger ones, your kulipmiach, that's your curlews. And do you ever have lapwing here? <laughs> Lapwing, yes. I don't know what the guy for lapwing is. No, there, there's hardly any lapwings. Oh, did I, you remember there being more lapwings in the past? Yes. In fact, I haven't seen lapwings for a long mm. time. And and that's a shame. And they're lovely birds. Yeah, they are they're nice. Lovely. Do you ever see bats in this part of the yes, sky? Yes, hundreds of them. Which is, a, which is good because there's, there's no shortage of them. I don't know what type they are. I remember once looking out and I said to Jane, I said, goodness sake, we've got a pile of... Pile of birds out the back there and but they weren't birds at all they were bats ross also is not a big fan of bats but ross do you remember the fact that we learned about bats to make you like them a bit better well that's right they eat midges galore yes and i don't dislike them they're, they're, it's the noise they're making is vibrating against you so they know you're there and then they get round you but they, uh, but they love, and I don't know what what type they are. Do we have different types, Jeanette? Do you know? Well, they don't know a lot about the bats in mm. sky. We definitely have pipistrelles, but they're doing a bit more surveys, and mm. I think they're finding new species because mm. at Hannah that works with us on their croft up in Stafford, they put a, a bat mm. like a wee thing that listens to all the different noises, and they can then put that into a computer and it says what species they are. Mm. They have three or four different types, so yeah. there's a. I wouldn't be able to guess which ones you have. No, well, whatever type I've got, 
I've got plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, owls, yeah? How are you for owls? We've plenty of owls in the sky, have we? I think so. You're, yeah. You'll be seeing them at night time. Uh, I can hear them anyway. They're nice, the owls. You know the way they, they fly and you don't know they're coming. Absolutely. Silent. And even a even a mouse who's who's pretty clued up doesn't hear them coming. The next thing they they've got them. Garlic for owl. Kalya Kaikya. Kalya Kaikya. It's basically the old lady of the night. <laughs> what about garlic for a mouse? Luch, 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 a wee luch, aye. There's lots of interesting species names in Gaelic that describe them. Can you, uh, yeah. Do you have any favourites? Because the owl one's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I'd have to ask me that. P asked me that one. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you've got you've got yet foxes, the shunuch, but but it's also matagruog, which means means the brown devil. The wolf is the matagali. Your doran is your the otter, but it's a, a pistu is 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 another te- another name for it. And puffins. I wonder what the Gaelic for puffin is. They are the b- most beautiful little yeah. birds. They're fascinating, and mm-hmm. they can swim underwater. Yes, and, sure. and I, I went to, I went over. To, I suppose you've been as well over to St Kilda. Oh, I've never been to St Kilda. Oh, I went there three or four years ago, and well, well worth going. The journey's far a bit more enjoyable than actually being there. I was a wee bit disappointed by St Kilda itself. I, you know, I was going a, a, a t- typical of me. I arrived there, and you know, the Blooming Hebridean Princess was birthed when I arrived. There was hundreds, there was more people there than there was one in the sky. Watching, watching. So, so I didn't get the, the feeling of, of loneliness. <laughs> and there was a huge blooming army generator making a huge racket. Ah, it was, I, I didn't get But the journey over, absolutely lovely. And uh, it's a great guy that did it. And, and, and well worth going. But halfway across, I, I mean, I don't know, I think it's about 30 miles between Uists and, uh, and St Kilda. Fifteen miles out, there's these puffins blooming, flopping about. Terrible wee things, you know. Great. And and then we when we arrive and all the, the the massive amount of these other birds, the ones that the ones that dive into the sea, you know. Oh, the white ones, Aye. the gannets. Gannets. I think that's the storm coming on, guys. Yeah. yeah. As we mentioned before, Sky is quite famous for the rain, and mm. where we're sitting, you can hear the corrugated iron roof. You can hear the rain lashing yeah. down now. Yeah. And it's, we've got a name for the storm too. What's it called again? Surely, one out of the three of us will remember. It's B. It's B. Uh, oh, Babette. Well done, yeah. Jeanette. Top of the class. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think that it's wetter nowadays than when you were st- first started crofting? Summers were terribly wet in the seventies, yeah, and I remember that. My parents always said that the summers were much drier, and the winter frost was common, and hard frosts. They're they're, they're not so common now. You, you know, you would you would go long periods in the old days when you had hard frost, and it was good. It was it was it was healthy weather. I remember somebody telling me that, and it might have been I don't know if it was the seventies or the eighties that there was such a bad failure of the hay in Sky that they took in like hay from Canada and it came in in Portree. I remember that happening but I, 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 was, I wasn't I was involved in crofting at the time but I remember that happening. It's not that long since hay started coming to Sky. You know, bought hay. Mm. I mean, that, that was unheard of. Just a, a preposterous idea. Now, now it's it's coming up in the loads upon loads upon loads. Some people do. Silage is quite expensive and it's, you know, you know a bale of, how much does a bale of silage cost? It must... Before you pay your contractor and all the rest of it and fertilise it, it's not cheap. Everyone's had a lot of inflation, but agricultural inputs have had a lot of inflation. So the 
And, like the plastic went up a lot. Yes, that's right. Um, and it's not a nice thing, the whole plastic. It's no. a ghastly thing. And and whereas you can get your beautiful sterling hay, you could almost eat it yourself. <laughs> it's just absolutely. They, they know how to make their hay down there, honestly. And so easy to to stack on the lorry, the round bales. Dear me. It hardly worthwhile putting straps on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, and it's—I'll tell you—I I can't see past turning here. And black isle straw as well. I get a lot of straw, and this round bales of straw is excellent from the black isle. And, and but it's sterling for the hay. Saves a lot of work at this end. <laughs> yeah. And um, do you have any um, wee bits of trees or scrub on any of your crofts, or? Uh, not that I put there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few trees round about the garden, but uh, but uh, there's a scheme in the in the estate which is done quite well. It's just above Hammer there, Hammer Lodge, and I, and I'm all for it. I'm all for trees, natural ones, not 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 lines of conifer, but mm. natural trees are is lovely. There's quite nice special fungus that grows on some of the trees. They're calling it the the rainforest. Aye, aye. There's quite a lot of natural forests within Sky, and they must have that fungus. Would you think, Jeanette? Yeah, I think because it uh, sounds funny, rainforest, because you always think of like places mm-hmm, like Brazil mm-hmm, and that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as we've heard mm-hmm, <laughs> ourselves yeah, and yeah. we've talked about before, yeah. there is a lot of rain in Sky. Mm-hmm. So that does mean that in the, the natural woodlands, there are a lot of wildlife value, not just the trees themselves, but all the all the other plants that are living on the trees and the animals that are living in them. You're very interested in history. If you had a time machine and you could go back in history to a couple of points... Where would you like to go and see what was happening here then? First of all, there's two places I'd like to go to. I'll go back to just I'll go back to 1880 something, and I'd love to be there. I'd love to be in the Free Church in Glendale when they had their first meeting to discuss how they were going to stop paying rents and fight against the tyranny of the landlords. And I'd love to have been there. How they got themselves, they acted together and John McPherson got them, and the minister as well, I think it was McCree from, and he was from, was just outside Kyle there, he, he the risk that man took in, in allowing them into the church and he's never, I don't think he's ever been appreciated or, or what he did, and they they organised there and they they got things going and, and they won, basically, they won, they they sent the marines up, but thankfully they didn't come to bloodshed. They couldn't be thrown off the crofts anymore. And what a security security of tenures. Wonderful thing. We no longer were no longer classed as crofts crofters under the term of, of a crofter. And so we lost out on all the grants and all the schemes. Which is a shame. Because that has that was a big loss. But they didn't they wouldn't have known that at the time. All the other estates we're quite happy to to be tenants of the of the government, basically of the, of the department. After the the hardships they received, they, I think they must have known something that us in Glendale didn't know. Because I would say the obvious choice would be to to say, right, we'll we'll do a buyout, and they were they were assisted. They, we couldn't possibly have paid for it in full. It was a congested district board or something. They helped us out, and we were paying it up for about seventy years. But then, we, in 1956, we became completely freeholds. We, we owned everything, the fishing, the, the lodge, everything. A wonderful achievement, but it backfired badly. And it backfired over 
because there was a dispensation for Glendale. There was a, there was a Glendale Act. There was an Act of Parliament for the Glendale people. And in 1976, when people got the right to buy, they forgot to put in in the bottom to add the Glendale the, the, the Glendale estate as well. They forgot. They forgot it because we, we Glendale estate is, is unique. The, the the guys up in Sutherland who bought their estate, they weren't the first. We we did it long before they weren't <laughs> even thinking about it. There was a there's a, a rumor going round that Karl Marx did a thesis. You know Karl Marx, the great communist, mm -hmm. that he did a thesis on the Glendale estate because we're basically communists. We, we, uh, <laughs> but I don't think that's true. It's a nice story though. <laughs> <laughs> But never mind. Anyway, that's a long time ago. And then the other one, Jeanette. Sorry yeah, to where be, else would you want to go? I'd, your like, time I'd have liked to have gone, zooming back to for the 10th century, when uh, these strange-looking boats came in in Lockport Hill in Glendale, and these these awful people came out. And I, I wouldn't like to have been there, eh, as in as in there. I'd like to have been up on a hill watching, because <laughs> <laughs> these jeez Vikings, they didn't mess about, and we were discussing how they infiltrated and they they pillaged and all the rest of it and they they had children and, and they stayed and they, they married locally and they changed all the hills and all the hills but they never affected the Gaelic language I don't think there's any Norse words in the Gaelic language and, and, and you would think they would have infiltrated into our language but they didn't the, the Gaelic language is, I don't think there's any Norse in it and you're saying a lot of the place names around here are Norse. Uh, Waterstein, where we are just now, Batterstein, uh, that's that's basically, it's water and stone, it means. And then there's Borodale, and then there's Mullavig, the two Mullavig is, is totally Norse. Hamara is Norse, Boireg is Norse, Totek is Norse. It's all Norse. Yeah, Holmestil is Norse. Farsach isn't, Farsach is Gaelic. But everywhere else uh, is, is Norse, which, which is... Uh, which is wonderful, it's nice, but what was the names before? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Lost in the midst lost, of time. Lost in the midst of time, yeah. And if you like put in a, a time capsule, so the culture that you grew up with and are living now isn't lost in the midst of times, like those names pre the Vikings, what would be things you would like to save? Well, I would like to see Gaelic stay. I'd love to see children having dual, being able to speak Gaelic and English. And I would. I'm, I'm so proud of the people in Portree for getting that Gaelic school going. I wish it had happened long before now. When I think back to going to, to Borodale School, they were all, every one of these teachers we had were full of Gaelic. All Gaelic speakers, but they couldn't speak to us in Gaelic because they weren't allowed to. And it's a, it's a shame. It really is a shame. The other thing I would love is, I'd love to see all the crofts being what absentee craftism. It's a, it's a disgrace. It shouldn't be allowed. It's wrong. It's wrong when there's people, look, young people who will want land. And what else? That's two. I've got three. And I'll tell you, I'd, I'd go back and I would try and get the music and song encouraged. And if you don't, it's like music is a talent. If you don't use it, it's lost. People are throwing away their fiddles. Referring to music all the time. Harps and everything else. That's, we won't be talking to go down that line too far. <laughs> My mother would shoot me if she heard me say that. <laughs> and what about the crofting practices? 
where we are sitting today, this is where you maybe have your, your tea breaks at the Frank. Would you like that culture to maintain? Or? Oh, it'd be lovely. Yeah, it'd be lovely. And I'm hoping that the young ones, the young ones will do a revival. It seems to be, there seems to be a few more young ones going about now that are taking a, a, a strong interest in, in, uh, in cattle and sheep and, and the crofting life. And long may it continue. Long may it continue. Because we've got to make room for the young ones because that's what keeps it going. Yeah. So we've talked about history, but there's maybe one enterprise you got involved in that maybe they would be struggling to believe, and that's you've been involved in film locations. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how this started? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've, we've done quite a few films. The first ones I remember them doing was Breaking the Waves, and don't look at it, Jeanette, it's terrible. terrible. Nothing but naked bodies in it, it's just awful. And, and not only that, it's taking the mickey out of the, the Highland culture. It's not, it's not, wasn't the next film. And, and uh, they won an award. Dear me knows how they won that award. I think it was for Scenic, thanks to our, our <laughs> land. Anyway, and then they did, what else did they do? They did another, we, did, we had a video, we had a few adverts. We had, a, we had a McDonald's advert called The Wind, which was basically, it wasn't actually, it was the, it was the fries they were doing. They had a piper at this end and the, and smells that fries from all the way from from america all the way from you, see, you have to look google it look up the wind a mcdonald's advert it's still there it's, it's a good advert we'll I, put I, it in the show notes I, so people can look it up I, yeah. and and then we had then we had we had a few we had a few uh, quite a few we had horses over there at one time as well going up and and last two years ago we had and it's amazing this the one we had two years ago i forget what the film's called but anyway we had a whole blooming. It was like a gold. You know, there'll be these in the westerns. We had suddenly a town that springs up from nowhere. Well, just in front of me here, we had a town for, <laughs> for about two days. Everything under the sun, makeup people and all the rest of it, and, and a canteen and everything. Else. And the film was turned up up at the Potterstein Head. In the film, they spent thousands, and it's about thirty seconds. If it's even if it's even thirty seconds. And that, and for all that, for thirty seconds, incredible, isn't it? It's great, though. I, I, it was, it was amazing to see it being done. How, how, and how efficient they were. There's not, there wasn't. They put all the cars were being going on onto the field here, were were under kind of some kind of steel frames, and there wasn't a. You wouldn't know they'd been there after they went. And what tips would you give to other crofters or farmers when people approach them? Just know that they've got plenty of money, and and to be telling them you're not you're not a walkover because they'll they'll offer you peanuts and knowing that that you you probably don't know any better when, when there's and, and be prepared to say no just say no we don't want you we don't need you if you don't pay us because it's you know so invariably if they want to come they'll they'll come you know so don't be don't be shy don't be shy because they're they're uh, it's a wee bit of income. But I mean, it, it helped pay off because we don't get any grants. We we got our, our township pens pens from end to end thanks thanks to thanks to that uh, McDonald's advert, and they only offered us a hundred pounds to start, <laughs> and then they came back and they said we'll give you a, and there was a one of the shareholders here hates McDonald's food, you know. If it had been anything else, I might have considered it. So so if, and then they came back and they offered us I don't know, I don't know what we got in the end. We got about three thousand pounds or something in the end, and that got, and that paid for the. I paid for, for the pencil, you know. 
which was good. I think it was more than I can't remember how much we got, but we got the fencing was cheaper in those days. Galish did it from end to end, from from, from the t top to the very bottom, because we don't get any grants, and it was uh, uh, it was wonderful. This podcast is part of a series called Natural Capital, and mm -hmm. Natural Capital's things like the landscape and the wildlife and mm -hmm. that's an example of how mm -hmm. the world's changing and you can actually get rewarded for things that you know your forebears could maybe never imagine that's right that's right <laughs> yes i yes true obviously the the support system is about going to be changing again how are you feeling about embracing that change who knows <laughs> <laughs> my days passed i mean i'm i'm all for not overstocking and, and working but they can make people work the land without telling them to, to keep bugs and peat bugs and, and which, is, which are there naturally anyway we're not taking them away i don't know anybody who, who drains the, the common grazing sometimes people have good condition bogs and people they don't know that they do mm -hmm. and people are hearing messages that the the bogs are in bad condition and that's true in some places like i've i've surveyed some places in other areas where it's just black peat that you're seeing and mm -hmm. that's very bad because it's lots of carbon going up mm -hmm. to the atmosphere mm -hmm. but if you're on a peat bog that's wet underfoot and there's mm -hmm. lots of that sphagnum moss mm -hmm. that's a, a good thing but yeah. i think it's difficult for people mm -hmm. if you're only hearing about bad things mm -hmm. you sometimes don't know what mm -hmm. you yourself you mm -hmm. know what the condition of the habitats mm -hmm. that you yeah. have is yeah. crofters maybe don't realize how good the wildlife and the habitats that they have is and that's mm -hmm. hopefully something that mm -hmm. yeah you know because you like like with your negotiations with the film crew mm -hmm. if you don't value what you have sometimes you don't get rewarded you've seen quite a lot of innovations and changes yeah, in your crafting career I, so far I, I, but the eskimos when they got <laughs> when they got their things as well you know the, the electric oh like the snow plows, <laughs> snow plows yeah. <laughs> you know that must have been incredible but that would it's the equivalent for us in the quads eh? <laughs> Yeah, we can go anywhere now. The quad, the quad was just, it's, but never mind. It's still, it's shapes. Look at my legs, getting my hips getting sore. But if I didn't have my quad, where would I be? <laughs> where would I be? Yeah. So Sam, you've offered to help encourage Ross in his learning. What would be some good questions for him to ask you at when you're doing the the IAX applications next spring? You could say to me, "You should be keen, Joe, when you're needing your kingship." You shouldn't be you're telling me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> when I ask, is everything the same as last year? I guess I guess can you measure how Manavenuri I guess I guess Norsen have a sheen of queen of Jane Kapit Kura Hakam's have a sheen of queen of Kafit Master Hakam. I guess Norsen finding you Kafit Lou Hakat Shaka the Rock Mason, no fault Och Mason. I guess be Michel Abbott. That's basically saying to you, when you ask me, are the numbers the same as last year? I would say roughly they are. And then and then you would ask me how many cows I've got and how many calves under eight months I've got. And I wouldn't remember, which I, ne which I never do. <laughs> and then and then I would say, to, then you would say, well, we didn't expect to do it in one day anyway, didn't we, Sam? And I would agree. <laughs> and then, but you might but invariably get it right in the end. <laughs> yes, yes. That's us drawing our time to a close and we're very pleased because it's actually dried up. So oh, we're all yeah. going to be heading out. 
So like I said, we've come out and it's not raining and it's really exciting because we're just looking at this croft beside the fang here and there's a, a flock of lapwing just come in. And so that's a really good sign that we're seeing such big numbers. And I haven't seen lapwings for years when, and it's wonderful to see, as you were saying, Jeanette, we associate them with the springtime, but it's nice to see them in the autumn. <laughs> my, my, my favourite bird is the, is the swallow. I think everyone loves swallows. They're just wonderful. They nest in there. I think, I think the Gaelic for them is I think it's, it's one of that. Lovely birds. We're looking at the moorland now here. Do you ever hear grouse? They're scarce. I think they tick. There's so many tick. I wish there was more of them because they're lovely birds. Go back, go back, go back. They're lovely. And do you know what's the Gaelic for them? Yes, yes. Oh, I've forgotten, Jeanette. It's terrible. And you know, old age is a terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a terrible thing. At the crofting demographics, you're still a young crofter, <laughs> oh, Sam. Carcruise, <laughs> <laughs> It was a hen of the, the header. So it's, that's basically the literal thing. The header, if you're wanting a word to describe mm -hmm. the thing, carcruise, which is what a hen of, a header hen, basically that's what, the, what it is. And that's a grouse. That's a grouse. That's a grouse. That's fascinating. And, and, and they're, they're lovely things and they're scarce. They are here, but the numbers are, no, the, yeah. the numbers must be lower than they yes, are. Yes, that's right. But they're, they're, they're lovely creatures. And I'd really like to thank you, Sam. I learned so many things, both about the history of this part of Sky, a lot more Gaelic words, and uh, most importantly, we've, we've got somebody who's going to mentor and nudge Ross <laughs> in his Gaelic learning journey. Thank you so much. Well, I was, it was lovely to see you both. And a good way to spend uh, an evening talking about things present and past. It was good. It's good. I give our Sam. I give our Mahav. Ross, I guess, Jennifer, and this. The dog was going to buy her to come out to garlic. And that was supposed to shop you means to eat a pretty crack to garlic. That means that next time you and I are here together, we'll be talking in Gaelic. <laughs> so I'm starting up my quad. This modern invention, the best thing that man ever tried. Thanks, Sam, Ross, and Jeanette. That was fascinating. Quite happy I'm sitting inside away from that wild weather. If you want to find out more information on everything we've discussed, we have provided links in the show notes. And there's a lot of additional content on Fast Sound Pages and Farm Advisory Service website. If you liked hearing about the Croft, then you'll need to listen to Crofting Matters, hosted by Siobhan MacDonald, where they cover a range of topics in crofting, practical advice, topical issues and more, offering bespoke advice for crofters. There are loads of great podcasts produced as part of Fast Sounds, and you can listen on all major podcast providers and find out more on the Farm Advisory Service website and social media channels. Thanks for listening and we'll hope you'll join us for the next episode of Natural Capital. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.